Amen. If you got a Bible with you, I want you to turn to the book of Luke, chapter number 1. Uh, we're going to talk about what Clay started in the sermon series last week on uh, Advent seasons. And this morning, I want to talk about a time for miracles, uh, a time for miracles. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know if our worship team actually knew what I was going to be preaching on this Sunday, but it, it kind of confirmed to me that this is what the Lord really wants to, uh, to, to speak to us today because there's a, there's a way, and it tends to happen so often, especially in, in, in the American church and even in our churches, that we can grow comfortable where we are. You know, we can become so uh, comfortable uh, where we are that we, we stagnate, we stop growing, we stop pursuing, we, we stop going after God like, like we used to. And, and I don't know what causes or creates that culture, but God wants us to break out of that kind of mindset, out of that attitude, because there's so much more that God has in store for our life, but we have to pursue that. You know, we, we can say that we want God, that we want more of God, that we want miracles, that we want to see salvations take place, that we want to see uh, his will done in our life. But you only qualify for what you pursue. Jesus didn't go everywhere that he was needed, but he did go where he was wanted. And some people were so radical that they were willing to climb a tree in order to see Jesus, and it just so happened that one day Jesus was walking by this tree that Zacchaeus was at, and he looked up at Zacchaeus and said, come down, I'm going to come and visit your house, salvation is coming to your house today. You know, Zacchaeus was looking for God, what he didn't know was God was looking for him. And so there was a group of men who was carrying one of their friends that was paralyzed and was deathly sick. And the Bible says they, they tore part of the roof off and they lowered this man into the middle of the house where Jesus was. And Jesus honored their faith. He said he saw their faith. Now, how does God see our faith? He sees our faith by our actions. You know, the Bible says we're not blessed because we hear the word. We're blessed because we do the word. And we only qualify for what we pursue. And we can never uh, step into that next level of what God's calling us to if we don't get up and leave where we are. So I want to talk to you about a time for miracles. Luke chapter 1, we're going to start reading at verse number 26. If you're there, say amen. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Verse 34. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One who is born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For nothing is impossible with God. Verse 38. Then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful for this time of the year, not because of what our culture is made out of Christmas, but this is the most significant time in human history. God came to earth. I pray, Lord, that you would release a fresh anointing in this place, that you would cause your word to come alive, that the spirit of revelation and the knowledge of who you are 
would explode in our hearts and that, Lord, we would see the Christmas story, that we would see the Christmas season in a whole new way. Open up our eyes, open up our ears, open up our hearts. Help us to receive from your word today. Help us to respond to you into your word. Lord, you still do miracles. And Lord, miracles are yet ahead for those that follow you. So Lord, we pray again your blessing upon your word in Jesus' name. And everybody said, A time for miracles. A time for miracles. Jesus, the birth of Jesus, is filled with supernatural events, angelic visitations, and prophetic declarations. It, it, it's an amazing story. Supernatural things are happening. Miraculous things are happening. The very fact that a virgin consumed or conceived a, a, a child having not known a man and that child would be born uh, to this virgin within itself is, 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 is you know, difficult to try to explain, much less people trying to grasp this. But Nevertheless, that, that's what's happened, and we, we know these things to be true. But is there something else besides that that we can learn from the Christmas story? You know, we know there are supernatural events. We know there are angelic visitations. We know that there are prophetic declarations. But I believe this also serves as an example for us or to us on how God wants to birth miracles in our life. I, I, miracles are something that most people uh, feel like are, are, are beyond their ability to receive. You know, we hear testimonies of miracles, and we celebrate other people's miracles, but rarely does somebody have the tenacity and, and the fortitude to pursue and hold on to God until their miracle happens. It's very easy to get weary. It's very we uh, easy to get overwhelmed, to get discouraged, to uh, uh, deal with disappointment. But that doesn't change the fact that God is not through blessing you. We all know the story of Job. Clay talked about it last week. You know, Job lost everything that he had. He lost his wealth. He lost his livestock. He lost his home. He lost his family. He lost everything, and he had to endure extreme suffering for a season. But God was not through blessing Job's life. If you continue to read that story, you'll find out that, that Job received twice as much at the end of his life that he received in the beginning of his life. In other words, God gave Job double for his trouble. And so God wants you to know that no matter what's happening in your life, no matter what has happened in your life, no matter what you have lost or who you have lost, God is not done blessing you. God is not done working miracles in your life. Miracles are an amazing thing. A lot of times they are uh, beyond human explanation. But I don't believe that miracles are a mystery. Miracles are not a mystery. They don't just happen by accident. They're not determined by fate or by chance. They are not the result of uh, uh, an out-of-control God that does things that are unpredictable. You know, God is aware of every miracle that He's performed, and He performs miracles in, 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 in the, in the uh, backdrop of, of what He has planned for our lives. Miracles don't happen by accident. They don't happen by fate. They don't happen by chance. But sometimes we feel like miracles are for everybody else but ourselves. And so we give up on our miracles on our journey. We, we become weary. We, we, we get tired of holding on. We get tired of, of persevering. But those things are necessary for us to ultimately give birth to miracles. Mary gave birth to a miracle child, and his name is Jesus, and Jesus has brought salvation to the world. And so miracles are not by chance. They're not by accident. They're not by fate. It's not good karma. It's not good vibes. It, it's not, it's, it's, it is a predetermined act of God. God still does miracles. Does anybody agree with that? Listen, I will go as far to say that God wants to do miracles in your life. 
But sometimes we look for God in the extraordinary and then we miss out on God in the ordinary. Everything that God does is supernatural. Everything that God does is miraculous. Everything that God does is amazing and unexplainable. And the most miraculous miracle that's ever been done is the miracle of salvation. And you have experienced that on a personal level, but God's not through blessing you. God's not through working things out in your life. So, miracles are not intended to be mysteries. You know, one of the things that amazes me about God so much is that He's given you and I the privilege to partner with Him in what He is doing in the earth. Not only has He given us the, uh, the, the privilege of partnering with Him and what He's doing and how He's working on the earth, that also includes miracles. Every miracle is directly connected to a promise from God. As a matter of fact, the Bible is a book of promises. And there's over 8,000 promises given to the believer in the Word of God. God is the author of these promises. God is the originator of these promises. And we can trust Him that He will do what He says He will do because the Bible says in Psalms 138 verse 2 that He holds His Word above His name. Everything is directly connected to a promise from God. So therefore, we have to know what these promises are, and then we have to lay hold of these promises. The Bible says you and I have been giving these exceedingly great and precious promises that by them we may partake of the divine nature. God has given you promises, but there's a difference between promises and blessings. There's a difference between promises and God's will and what we receive as God's will in our life. Promises are all conditional based upon how we respond to the Word of God. Every miracle is directly connected to our obedience to God's Word. Every miracle has a God part and a man part. And we see this in the story of the Christmas story. Listen, Mary had her part to play. And really her part to play was to align herself with God's will and say, let it be done to me according to your word. But God did his part by supernaturally, by the Holy Spirit, overshadowing and by his power, causing her womb to conceive this child. But Mary had to agree to participate. There's so many things that God has in store for your life, not just in this season, but for the rest of your life that you have yet to experience because you have been unwilling to work together with God. Now, she had a question that she asked. Now, she believed what God says, but she said, How are you going to work this out, Lord? Saying that I, I, I know not a man. See, that's where most of us miss out on miracles. That's where most of us miss out on God's blessings. We feel like, you know, we can say, yes, we can mentally acknowledge, theologically declare, doctrinally understand that, yes, God does miracles. But what we can't understand, which is what causes God to be sovereign, is how God works this out. If God works his word out in your life different than what you thought that he would do, is that still okay with you? Now, be careful before you say yes. Because here's what I've learned, especially in our, when we get in a comfortable position. We love God. We love Jesus. We love the church. We love ministry. We love all the things of God. But we don't love how things work out oftentimes. We want all these things. We just want things on our terms, right? But it doesn't work on our terms. It works on God's terms. So, let me give you four things that I see in the life of Mary that teach us about giving birth to miracles. Number one, this is in your outline. Miracles are conceived by receiving a promised seed from God. Miracles are conceived by receiving a promised seed from God. Luke 1.31 says, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. 
Now, miracles appear to be something that takes place suddenly at a particular time and place that, that they just all of a sudden appear, that, 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 that they're random, that they are sporadic. And, and at the time when miracles take place, it's normal for us to view things from that lens. But according to Scripture, according to what Mary had to go through in order to give birth to her miracle, the first thing that happened to her was she conceived, Right? She conceived, and that's the way miracles begin. We conceive the promise of God in, 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 the, in the womb of our spirit, and after we conceive this promise or this word from God, we can't just conceive only. We have to carry that promise until the time of its delivery. But we think that miracles happen suddenly at a particular point in time. But the truth is, that's not the way miracles actually take place. We actually carry them in the womb of the Spirit until the time that they are to be delivered. Now, just like in the natural, the Bible says, first the natural, then the spiritual. Just like in the natural, a woman who conceives a child has to go through a gestation period. And that gest gestation period is from the moment of conception until the moment of delivery. Mary supernaturally conceived this miracle child in the, uh, her virgin womb, but she also carried it and this miracle until the time it was to be delivered. The same is true with you and I. There's a process that we go through. And the first step of the process is that we have to conceive. Children are conceived in places of intimacy. Let me say this again. Children are, are, are conceived in places of intimacy. Miracles are conceived in places of intimacy with God. God speaks to us in those intimate times and we conceive what he speaks into our life according to the word of God. Okay, are you with me? So in those intimate times, and so solitude is necessary for conception. The reason many of us have not conceived up to this point is because we don't spend any time alone with God. We date God like we would date a girlfriend or a boyfriend. God's not your girlfriend and God's not your boyfriend. Are you with me? God doesn't want a dating relationship He's invited us to the marriage. He is the bri uh, bridegroom and we are the bride. And he's preparing his bride for his soon coming. Now, children are conceived in places of intimacy. Solitude is necessary for intimacy. Intimacy produces impartation. And impartation requires change. Let me say that again. Solitude is necessary for intimacy. In other words, you have to be and spend some time alone with God. If you do not have a personal, private, devotional life, you are not going to conceive what God has for your life because miracles are much like desires, and desires are a lot like people. Desires are conceived, desires grow, desires develop, and desires live and come to pass, but they also die and go away. Why? Because you only qualify for what you pursue. So it's not enough to have a, a want or a wish. Desire is proven by effort. And so we know that there is a moment where conception takes place. We also know that there's a time when delivery of that uh, uh, of that baby takes place. And the Bible says in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, it says, When the fullness of time has come, God sent forth His Son, born of a, of a woman, born under the law, that He may redeem those that are under the law and might receive adoption as the children of God. 
So we know the birth of Jesus was not an accident. It wasn't a sporadic miracle. It wasn't something that God woke up the next day and said, oh, I think it's time for, for this to happen. God had already predetermined. He had predestined. God said that I'm going to send my son to the earth to die for the sins of the world, that the world through him might be saved. But it all started with conception. It was part of God's plan. I wonder if you understand what God's plan and purpose is for your life. Or maybe you're here and you're trying to discover that. The first step in discovering God's plan and God's will is for you to spend time alone with Him. Mary conceived in her womb this miracle child, Jesus. So, miracles are conceived by receiving the promised seed from God, number two. Miracles begin, the miracle birth begins when the Holy Ghost overshadows the seed. Mary asked the question, I believe you, Lord, but how are you going to work this out seeing that I don't know a man? Never been intimate with a man, I'm a virgin. I, I don't quite know how you're going to work this out, but, but I believe you, and I align myself with your will. I say yes to you, and I'm willing to to conceive and carry uh, whatever it is that you want to do in my life, but how are you going to work this out? That's the first mistake that most of us make. The reason that we don't take that next step with God or go to the next level with God is that we have to have everything figured out up front before we're willing to take a risk. Listen, love requires you to take risks. Love requires you to sacrifice. Love requires you to leave where you are, be joined with your husband or wife, and start a new journey together. And, and so she says, how can this thing be? And, he, and the angel says, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. The Holy Spirit will overshadow you. And listen, the very moment that Mary believed the promise that was given to her by God... By the overshadowing of the Holy Spirit, life was conceived in her virgin womb. Who was it that caused life to be conceived in her womb? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is probably the most ignored, most unloved, and most unwanted person of the Trinity. Most of us refer to the Holy Spirit not as a person, but as an it. How offensive would that be if people referred to you as an it? The Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is a person. And he's not some uh, watered-down third version of God. He is fully God. He is God the Spirit. There's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, all three in one. Now, I understand that the Trinity is a, is a difficult concept for a lot of people to understand, but that's what the Bible teaches. And so the Holy Spirit, the moment Mary believed the promise God gave her, the Holy Spirit overshadowed her and she conceived life in her womb. Jesus said in John 6, 63, the Spirit gives life. Whose responsibility is it to produce life in you? The Holy Spirit. Whose responsibility was it to produce life inside of Mary? The Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is still producing life today. It says it again in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6. It says the Holy Spirit gives life. And the Holy Spirit is wanting to give life into that promise that either you stopped believing or you thought was too good to be true because the Holy Spirit is the one that causes us to conceive life. But it requires intimacy. It requires us to be sensitive. The Holy Spirit is a person with a personality. The Holy Spirit has a will. And we can choose whether we want to follow Him or, or not follow Him. The Holy Spirit has emotions. He, has a, he, has, he takes on the personality of an individual. He is not a mere presence. He is a person with a presence. And so the Holy Spirit can be grieved. 
The Holy Spirit can be offended. The Holy Spirit can be resisted. And the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, can be insulted. So if we ignore, like if you ignore your husband or your wife for a certain period of time, how's that going to work out for you? Eventually, there's going to be a breakdown of that relationship. And the truth is, some of you are not where you need to be or should be with God simply because you ignore the Holy Spirit almost every single day of your life. Now, I don't know if that's because of ignorance. And what I mean by ignorance is not stupidity or I'm saying lack of knowledge. Maybe you have a lack of knowledge of the Holy Spirit or maybe it's arrogance. Did you know that Prayerlessness is one of the highest forms of pride. When we are prayerless, we're basically saying that I am self-sufficient. That I can do this thing in my own strength, in my own willpower, in my own discipline. And that's, we need to have all those things. But any step towards self-sufficiency is a step away from God. Jesus, one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible, Jesus said in John 15, 5, apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, that's deeply profound. That word nothing in the Greek means nothing. It doesn't mean some things. It doesn't mean you know, certain things, it means nothing. And God will always put us in a place where we are forced to depend upon Him for everything. God loves to be depended on. Matter of fact, God loves weak people, which I am one of them. I'm convinced the, the, God's favorite quality about me is that I'm a very weak person. But the Bible says that in our weakness, his strength is made perfect. So, so we have to come to the place where we recognize the Holy Spirit is the one that gives life. The Holy Spirit is the one who causes the promises of God to come alive. The Holy Spirit is the one who causes the Word of God to come alive. The Bible says the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. And so God is wanting to speak to you. But the truth is, we will never, we will always be empty until he fills us. We will always be blind until he opens our eyes to see. We will always be deaf until he opens our ears to hear. We will always be lost until he shows us the way. We will always be dead until he comes and gives us life. Now, if you were to describe your relationship with God, would you be able to say that it is, it gives life or you just kind of going through the motions and coming to church on Sunday morning? Some reason we think that that's good enough. For some reason we think that we're doing God a favor by coming on Sunday morning and just like a job we put in our nine to five. Now listen, the Holy Spirit is the giver of life. And if you are lifeless this morning, the Holy Spirit wants to fill you. If you are empty, the Holy Spirit wants to fill you. If you are blind, He wants to open up your eyes. If you are deaf, He wants to open up your ears. If you're lost, He wants to show you the way. And it is the Holy Spirit's responsibility to do all those things. So, how can this be? The Holy Spirit. Miracles are conceived when we believe a promise that God has given us and then the process of carrying that miracle and, and after conception requires the Holy Spirit to bring life to what God has said. But you have to carry that. Until that time of delivery. You know, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 11, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead will quicken our mortal bodies. In other words, listen, if death could not hold Jesus down from being resurrected on the third day, what is it that's in your life that's causing you to live in defeat that you can't get over? Sometimes pain does that to us. Sometimes disappointment 
does that to us. But let me encourage you this morning. Do not allow what you know about God to change in order to accommodate your disappointment. Why? Because God's not finished yet. The final word has not been spoken yet. They sung it earlier. Listen, God is working when I don't even feel it. God is working when I don't even see Him. God is at work in our lives behind the scenes providentially because He is working things out. You know, in the book of Esther, God's name is not mentioned one time in that entire book. How can that book even be in the Bible? I mean, not one time you cannot find one reference where God is mentioned. But all throughout that book, you can see how that God is working behind the scenes to bring Esther and the Jewish people to the kingdom for such a time as this. Do you know the same is true with you? That God is working on your behalf. See, it's one thing to sing it. It's another thing to believe it. It's one thing to offer up lip service to it. It's another thing to lay hold of it through faith. It's one thing just to celebrate and feel all good about it. It's another thing to leave here today confident that, you know what, God will do what He said He will do. God will do what He says. He's trustworthy. I'm at a place in my life right now where I have got to depend on God to work things out. I can't make what God's calling me into to happen, nor do I know how. But thankfully, I've got a teacher. Guess what his name is? The Holy Spirit. And as we grow as Christians, it's important that we become more and more aware of the importance of the Holy Spirit. Jesus himself said this. Think about this. He said, it's better for me to go away. For if I go away, I will send the Comforter to you. And He will be with you and shall dwell in you. Inside of you is the same Spirit that was written about in Romans chapter 8, verse 11, where it says the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead will quicken our mortal bodies. Listen, greater is He that's in you than he that's in the world. You, listen, it's, it's not over. I don't care what you've been through. I don't care how many disappointments you've experienced. I don't care how devastating that it is. And I acknowledge that those things happen in life. But if you have a pulse, God has a plan. And you don't have to give up along this journey, even though you may feel like giving up. I'm sure Mary felt like giving up when she was coming to be taxed because it was a very long journey. It was a very difficult journey. And I'm sure that she was extremely out being nine months pregnant. But oftentimes that is exactly what happens before change comes. You know, we say this all the time. You know, well, you shall know the truth and the truth shall. But that's not true. Because before the truth will set you free, it'll make you miserable first. Amen? So what is it? Or are you able to see this difficult situation that you find yourself in? Can you, how can this be? The Holy Spirit will change it at his appointed time, at that point of delivery. Because God has got a delivery date in mind. Here's the third thing. The seed begins small, but grows into a manifested miracle. When a woman first gets pregnant, it's not really visible on the outside. But nevertheless, she's still conceived, she's still pregnant. But oh boy, are things about to change. You know, a couple of weeks may go by and you may not see change. Maybe a couple of months goes by and you don't necessarily see change. But sooner or later, that which is growing on the inside of that woman begins to change her and make her feel uncomfortable, hard to go to sleep. When, when Rachel was uh, nine months pregnant, her favorite word was, Shoo. That was her favorite word. Listen, she'd get up out, out of the chair and she'd go, Shoo. she'd sit down on the chair. Shoo. 
she'd think about getting up and go, But she's miserable, but the thing that kept her pressing on is knowing one day very, very soon this will all be over. But it requires us to change, to make adjustments. It's important for us to know that as that promise grows on the inside of us, that we embrace the change that's necessary. And it's necessary for us to change. When you stop changing, it's over for you. This is as far as you can go. But God is at work. See, God has given each of us the ability to believe. What a privilege. The Bible says that He has dealt every man a measure of faith. But how we choose and what we choose will determine whether it is productive or destructive. As a matter of fact, you are where you're at right now because of the sum total of the decisions that you've made up to this point. Decisions are important. But if you're making these decisions on your own, if you're making these decisions out of a, a discouraged moment, if you're making decisions out of anger or bitterness or jealousy or envy or unforgiveness, I promise you things are not going to get better. They're going to get worse because God will not force you to choose right and wrong. We know before we even make a choice whether it's right or whether it's wrong. But the question is, what is our motive for choosing? He gives us all the ability to choose. And the choices we make will determine whether it is productive or destructive. And I love what the Bible talks about when it talks about believing. In Mark chapter 9, verse 23, it says, If you can believe, all things are possible to them that believe. What's possible? Everything is possible for him who believes. Some things, a few things. Now, we, we have faith for somebody else, but we rarely have faith for ourselves. The Bible says all things are possible to those who believe. Now, the question is, do you believe? And this is not an answer you can give with your intellect, but you have to give from your spirit. Because until you truly believe, you will not align yourself up with what God has said. And the Bible says every promise of God in Christ Jesus are yes and amen through us. You know, I say this all the time. If you're praying and things are not happening, don't get discouraged because it's always a yes until you hear a no. It's always a yes until you hear a no. And just because it tarries or it doesn't come to pass or it doesn't look like it is going to work out for you doesn't mean that God has said no. Sometimes our season, our gestation period is longer than what we thought it would be just because we've experienced something we've never experienced before. But that doesn't change the Word of God. It starts out as a small seed but grows into a manifested miracle. God has planted within each of you seeds of desire for good things. You know, you have to teach children how to doubt. Listen, my boys think I can do anything, which is not true. But I've not told them yet that I can't. <laughs> but you have to teach children how to doubt. You know, I've seen it happen over and over in relationships. You know, I've seen people that were on fire for God, that, that were, were young, they were committed to God, and then they become so desperate to be married that they settle for something less than God's best for their life. And so what happens is once they are married, they stop dreaming. They lose their ambition. You know, they stop going after what God had placed in their heart, and they get settled into their good little Christian life. 
Well, God wants you to give up your good Christian life and follow Jesus. Because there's a difference between the two. So, as things grow, things have got to change. And when you've experienced disappointment after disappointment, when you have been personally devastated to the point of whether you, you don't have a clue whether you're going to make it or not, and I have been there, don't change your theology about God in order to accommodate your pain and disappointment. Don't change what you know is true about God in order to justify why it's not happened in your life yet. Listen, if God said he would do it, he will do it. And he might not do it when you want him to or how you want him to, but God will do what he said he will do. Listen to this. Your struggle is always temporary. That was shouting ground right there. But some of you believe that your struggle is permanent. That it's always going to be this way. That nothing is ever going to change. But the Bible says God can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could think, we could think or ask according to the power that's at work within us. But if the only thing you can believe God for is second best, then second best is all as God can do for you. But your struggle is temporary. It's only a season. Pain passes, but promises are permanent. Your struggle is temporary. Your pain will pass, but God's promise is permanent. His word will endure forever. But you have to lay hold of that. Now, how do I know this is true? Listen to what God says. I'm going to wrap it up. How do I know this is true? Psalms 119.89. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Jeremiah 1.12. God watches over his word to perform it. Psalms 138.8, the Lord will perfect that which concerns you. Isaiah 55.11, my word will not return back void to me, but it will accomplish that that I sent it to do. Psalms 30 verse 5, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. For all the promises of God are yes and in him amen to the glory of God through us. That is good news. That is good news. His word's forever settled in heaven. What you need to do when you're at a place of weakness, you need to be able to quote the promise of God. God, your word is forever settled in heaven. You hold your word above your name. You watch over your word in order to perform it. You will perfect that which concerns me. Your word will not return back void, but it will accomplish what you send it to do. This may be a season, but weeping endures for a moment, but joy comes in the morning, and you have to pursue that. It's not just a theological, mental stance that you make and that you can quote. Do you really believe that he will do what he says he will do? Do you really believe that he will work this out? Lots of times what happens is that we make permanent decisions based on temporary feelings. We make permanent decisions based on temporary feelings. Feelings are fickle. You know, I've heard people say many, many times they can come to music. Just follow your heart. Just follow your heart. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. The Bible says the heart is deceitfully wicked. Who knows how bad that it is? Don't follow your heart. Follow Jesus. And I can testify. I came to God a piece of a man. And piece by piece, God began to put my life back, my life back together. I mean, I can die today a happy man. I can die today, and I don't want to die. But everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die to get there, right? 
but I can die today having had the joy to be a part of and experience far more than I ever dreamed possible growing up. And it's a privilege to serve the Lord. Here's the last thing. With every promised seed, there is a set day of delivery. Luke 2, 4 through 7. Joseph also went from Galilee out to the city of Nazareth into Judah, or Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David to be registered with his wife Mary, he was betrothed to, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. She brought forth the son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger because there was no room for him in the inn. Luke 2 tells us, as Joseph and Mary traveled to be taxed, that her due date came. And it wasn't a comfortable time for her. It wasn't a convenient time for the Savior to be born. It was a time of difficulty. It was a time of travel. It was a time of great weariness for her. She had made an extremely long journey. And not just that, when they arrived, the Bible says there was no room for her in the end. In other words, she didn't have a place to stay. And here she is in labor, experiencing the pain of childbirth, overwhelmed, tired. She knew that that it was time for the baby to come, but you know what? She was in pain, but she had to cooperate with that pain. Why? Because when we fail to cooperate with our pain, we risk aborting what we have conceived from the Word of God. Some of you, that's where you're at. You've you've not embraced the pain. You've fought it. You've tried to push it down. You've become cynical. You've become negative. It's not happened yet. It's never going to happen. I thought God was going to do this. Why, Why has He not done it yet? I thought for sure by now... This would be over in our life. But it seems like it goes on and on and on and on and on. And you know what? You've surrendered yourself to that. And you have prolonged your labor. Mary's response when the angel spoke to her and said that she would conceive the Son of God was, Be it unto me. In other words, I don't know how you're going to do it. I don't know when you're going to do it. I don't know how this whole thing's going to work out, but I do know that it's not going to be easy. See, not everything in life is difficult. Sometimes they're just not easy, and there's a difference between the two. Some decisions are not necessarily difficult, they're just not easy. And some of you this morning need to make a decision. Are you going to rise up and start pursuing God and that dream and the purpose that He has placed on the inside of you, that seed that He has planted, are you going to allow yourself to wallow in self-pity and guilt and shame and just settle for that for your destiny? That's not God's will for your life. I want to encourage you, a delay is not a denial. A delay is not a denial. God made a ridiculous promise to Abraham. He said, I'm going to give you a son, and from this son there will be many nations. You'll be a father of many nations. But he was like 75 years old when God made that promise. And nearly 25 years passed by before the fulfillment of that promise happened. And this is what the Bible says about Abraham. It says, Abraham did not stagger at the promise of God, but was convinced that God 
was able to do what he had committed to him. Some of you, you're almost afraid to believe God. It's almost like I believed God once and got let down. I'm never going to do that again. But when God spoke to Abraham and said, you're going to have a son, and he told Mary that she was going to conceive a child and she was going to have a son, the Bible says that, that, that Sarah laughed. God heard it. He said, Abraham laughed. He asked him, why'd you laugh? He said, there's no way we can have a baby, but I believe you can do it. If you said it, you can do it. But you know what? Sarah laughed. Abraham laughed, but God had the last laugh. God wants to do something so ridiculous in your life that it causes you to step back and start laughing because you know only God can do something at that level. Stand with me. If you're here this morning, I can submit to you the greatest miracle that has ever been performed and is still now being performed is the miracle of salvation. So if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you are not fully convinced, 100% sure that things are right between you and God and today God is speaking to you, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to shoot your hand straight up and straight back down. That doesn't save you. It just lets me know God's speaking to you. Because the Bible says we are to make our calling and election sure. It says we are to examine ourselves and see if we are in the faith. And so that's what we want to do right now. Because listen, you can be sincere and be sincerely wrong. You know what his promise is? He says, if he promised, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive them. He says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you shall be saved. But that word if is a condition word. God will only do His part when you are willing to do your part. And your part is to simply say, so be it. Be it unto me. I'm not right, but you said in your word that if I confess my sins, you'll forgive them. So on the count of three, if you're here, and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you don't know with 100% assurance that things are right between you and God, I want you to shoot your hand straight up and straight back down. One, two, three. Shoot your hand up. Say, it's me. It's me. It's me. We're going to give you a chance to respond in prayer here just in a moment. To those of you that are here this morning, I really feel like the Lord wants to minister to you, but I'm not going to pressure you. But maybe you're here and you're like Mary. And you've been carrying a promise in your heart, this miracle, this desire for a long time. And you've become weary because it's not happened yet. And you need the Holy Spirit to refresh you, to renew you, to restore what you have lost. The Lord wants to, how's it going to happen, the Holy Spirit? And you know if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, you know it because you can sense it on the inside. You know that something on the inside is trying to compel you to respond to the Word of God. Or maybe you, you're here and you've experienced disappointment after disappointment because things have not worked out. And you're devastated. The situations haven't changed. And you need a miracle God had promised you a miracle, but because it hadn't worked out yet, you gave up on your miracle. God is here to overshadow you again. So whatever it is that you need, whether it's salvation, renewal, restoration, or refreshing, they're going to sing, and I want you to respond to the Holy Spirit.